We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Phoenix Taxis and Coaches. To book online, please visit www.phoenixtaxis.net. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Weekly Podcast, recorded live or not live, because it's actually been recorded in the past. Well, it's already re- it's always recorded live. It's not like we're recording in the past, are we? are alive. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm joined by Smart Ass Ben in the corner. Hello. We haven't got Dodzy hosting today, but he is with us via not Skype. What what is this? Just by it's some just sort a of call. In, just a... international phone line from France. All right, Dodzy. Good evening, lads. Good evening. Um, and that's it. There's only three of it today, so we'll, we'll we'll just crack on, shall we? Why not? Yeah, no, no silly gags in the in the start. I feel like we should be giggling at something we we'll always do. Never mind. Um, right, I'll come straight to you, Ben. Uh, a draw, at Old Trafford, cracking result. Hang on, Zai. Hang on, you've got to do the notices. The, the notices. You've got to push the radio show. You've got to push the podcast with um, Martin Hardy about the book. <laughs> yeah, We're still pushing that. Do it Right, um, can we just record like a, a five minute, in future Dodzy, we'll, we'll record a five minute loop at the start where you can talk about your stupid interview with Martin Hardy. Stupid interview, that, that interview with Martin Hardy, by the way, is going down after people get retweets, uh, tweets all the time from people who love, obviously they love the book, that's the main source of their love, but also the interview's gone down really, really well if you bought the book or think of read it, have a look at our iTunes, this is your job, site, so I'll do it, have a look at the iTunes page, uh, TF Weekly Pod, SoundCloud, at TF Weekly Pod, uh, it's on there, it's an hour long, it's me, editor of True Face, Mick Martin, and Martin himself, talking about the best era in Newcastle United's history, probably, you know, definitely the ones that we've seen, uh, 92 and 96, the boot covers, and it's really, really good, have a listen, and we'll do a live radio show, sorry, just to clarify, this is live, because we're live, but the the radio show is live, we'll kind of interact with uh, listeners uh, through Twitter, so if, if you want to get involved, please do. That's Fridays at 7, Radio Northumberland, online radio station, the best in the northeast. So yeah, please have a listen. There you go, Sai. Kraken. Um, and without further ado, as you would say, we'll, we'll go back to talking <laughs> about football. A Jew? No, I'm not being <laughs> That's probably exactly how you would have said it. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, any more announcements while we're at it, Dodzy? How's France? Just, uh, oh, France is actually really nice. I'd recommend anyone to come to the beautiful city of Nice on the coast, the south coast. Um, local beers, Cronenberg, for those, those you ask them. That is good. A lot of Heineken around here too. Um, what, what about yeah, ciders? Sorry? What about ciders? For those cider drinkers? That's not, not, not a thing in France. Um, cider, I found them, um, even though I think Cidre was still in Belgium. Um, it's the yeah, cider's not a thing. One, one restaurant had a, like a, a, mag, a Magnus pump. So I asked, I asked him if I could have Magnus. He was like, no, it's easy for sure. <laughs> kind of get idiots like me and like oh I find a cracker 
just just so we can laugh with these friends at you later. Like, oh, I had had some right lad in you, today you asking asking laugh, for magnets. That's a cracking three minutes of listening there. I hope you've enjoyed that and plenty more to come. Right then. So, as I was about to go on to before, before I was really interrupted, but for, with good reason, um, we've got a draw. I'll interrupt you again, Sight. Should, should we record? You can cut this out, but should we record a few different possible endings? Because most people are going to listen to this for the Northampton game. Not ending. So, should we all now record different reactions to how the North Yeah, I had that built in the show, so we'll, we'll do that at some point. We'll record three <laughs> three possible outcomes to, to the Northampton game. Well, there's only yeah, two, really, I suppose. You... Remember, remember to cut this bit, though. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, right. Moving on. Or, oh, just getting started. Uh, a draw at Old Trafford. Ben, were, were you impressed by Newcastle's performance on Saturday? Yeah, I was. Uh, defensively, it was worlds apart from the Swansea game. Um, and every other game in the last like nah, I, I don't think we're bad that Southampton, the Southampton game we just got caught with two crosses but the general defensive sort of positioning and everything was, was fine it was just we, we couldn't handle the, the crosses but yeah, I know what you're saying but conceding two goals at home is never a great defensive performance is it yeah but I, I, well you never know if, if Man U had any strikers and people that could put a ball in the box we might have been in trouble I suppose but yeah um, no, I thought the Mbemba and Colaccini were brilliant, uh, and Taylor even. Yeah, I don't um, think you can take away from Taylor. He had a cracking game yeah, as well. Yeah, it was really solid, had some key blocks. Colaccini, looked, that was one of his best performances I've seen him put in for a long time. Yeah. Um, he actually looked like he'd, <laughs> he looked like a player that's played three games, four or four games or so. Like He's, he's sort of getting back into the swing of um, playing football at the highest level. Um and I, I, I just thought they they played the right type of tactics. We I think we spoke on the the show on Friday. Um, that formation probably would have worked against Manu, and I, I think we proved right. It it didn't really give them opportunities to get in behind. Really, I mean they had one or two moments, but they, they never really looked like scoring. Hernandez probably should have scored, but great save from Kroll, who I thought again had a decent game. Yeah, um, I think I think absolutely on Friday we did say that formation was terrible for Swansea. But would would probably work against Manu, and it would be nice to see Mitrovic and Perez in the team. Yeah. And I think McLaren must have been tuned in on Friday because that's exactly <laughs> what he did. I think Mitrovic as well made a big difference. Um, he actually was able to hold the ball up, and obviously had that header, which if that had gone in, that Kraken, would have been the, the cherry on the cake. But um, yeah, he just he just gave us a bit of an outlet. It wasn't all the ball getting cleared and coming straight back. So um, I think there's a lot of positives to take from that performance. I think even Perez like. Shades of last season, like second half of last season, you almost thought he's been absolutely burnt out by Carver here. He's 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 starting to look very average, but I thought he looked just like he did this time last year when he was, you know, just setting the world alight. Yeah. Um, Dodzy, did you catch any of the game from France? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. They love the Premier League over here. Um, no kidding. Get, um, <laughs> Surely they just got like it's called Newcastle TV or something, is it? <laughs> no, it was all Man United fans in the bar. I was in shock. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Ben, I just want to echo what you said. Um, Mitrovic actually knows how to play centre forward, and like he said, I like he said, a great goal scorer, but he's a waste of space away from home. Um, and like you say, Ben, Mitrovic actually like knows who to run at to close down <laughs> when to stop. But like little things like that, that CC just doesn't have a clue. You know, Mitrovic. I thought Mitrovic was really unlucky enough to get about twenty-five free kicks. Small and was all over him. Yeah. One time, Small just went went through the back of him and got a free kick. But the referee was very poor, very poor. But um. Yeah, so I caught the game and it was it was quite intense actually. Obviously, the, the first twenty minutes I think I put out on Twitter that um, it was just the same as Swansea. I thought we're very poor, we're way too deep. But obviously, as the game progressed, the team gained confidence, and I, I'd like to apologise a little bit to McCarran because after the Swansea game on the podcast last week, I kind of I said I don't understand why he set the team up to play so deep. However, the Man United game suggests that actually the players just naturally progress deeper and deeper. Just drop in, yeah. When they kind of come under the cosh until they get a bit of confidence. So I think we'll definitely give McLaren the benefit of the doubt on Swansea. Like he probably didn't plan them to like, you know, sit so deep. But what impressed me most, and again, Ben said the same thing, everyone knew what they were doing. So for example, if you compare it to the 
ball was on the, for the first goal, the ball was on the, the Swansea um, right of the pitch. And it kind of came inside because Colback, Anita was off Gomez. Colback was caught short. Overtime was nowhere. Hydara and, and Overtime were confused about who was to go to the ball. In this game, every every player knew when to push on, knew when to drop, knew when to follow the man. And by the first 15, 20 minutes, I, you know, I think you'll struggle to find a better um, defensive performance in the Premier League this season for, for a team outside the top four. We see, you know, the likes of uh, Chelsea, Man City. I'm sure can defend better than that. But on that, on that shown so far, Man United what, had 28 shots. Uh, I think only six of them were inside the box, which tells you a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to come on to a little bit about the media reaction about the stats later, how they've been kind of skewed in the media. But um, lads, what do you think about Mbemba? I think. Seriously, as long as he doesn't have overtime in front of him, I think he could be a serious contender for right back. You know, I I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just I suppose a lot of it depends on whether Yamak can get back to his form of last season, um, because obviously he provides a lot more going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, he was one of the best, maybe what only real attacking threat in a lot of games last season. So, but yeah. at least if he's now got that that threat of potentially not playing. That that's going to spur him on. Um, the other thing is Stevie Taylor, whether he can match those types of performances. Um, it probably helps having a player like Mbemba who is fast enough to sort of recover uh, behind him, and also Colaccini being fit next to him generally will position himself in the correct places. If it, it basically allows Taylor to go and play the, his natural game, which is he wants to go and attack the ball and he wants to be the one going up for the headers and things like that. I think. And it allows Colaccini to sort of drop back and, and sort of position himself and read the game a bit better, which I think he prefers to do. He's, he's not really comfortable going and trying to challenge for the headers and things like that. So I agree. I think I thought Taylor and, Com- and Colaccini looked really comfortable together. Yeah. And you're right, it's because they, they complement each other yeah. perfectly in that way. I mean, t- t- yeah, t- Col- Col- Colaccini has played, played his best football in Newcastle alongside Stephen Taylor. Yeah. That, that, that goes right back to 2008 since yeah. we signed them. I, I think Taylor. I agree, and it'd be hard to drop up for next week. But I kind of think because he's so injury prone, this might be a great, um, a great role for him to come in, play four or five games if someone else has picked up an injury, yeah. not put the pressure on his body, which inevitably leads to a serious injury. I mean, fair play to Stephen Taylor; he's come back from some real bad injuries, and to put a performance like that, uh, Colaccini alongside Colaccini, who was absolutely magnificent, he, he really led on the field. That's what we're kind of used to back in the day. That's why he was made club captain yeah. because of those performances. And, Sorry to deviate again. I forgot Ben made another good point before talking about Perez being run into the ground. It was just nice to see Perez get the ball away from home near the opposition halfway line. Not necessarily in the opposition's half, but under Carver, especially towards the end of the season. You know, he was picking up the ball on the edge of our own box where he was absolutely hopeless. He was having to sprint 100 yards just yeah. to kind of get clear. And he was, he was absolutely brilliant defensively. Gabriel Overtime should look at that performance of Perez. Yeah. Defensively. And defensively, but defensively, exactly. <laughs> Um, and think that that's how I should be performing each week because he ran himself on the ground. He made some great last ditch titles. Yeah, yeah. You just wonder where he was the first two games. Like he's class. Why, well, why isn't on the team? I think that's the difference. So there, isn't it? Of a player that that's fighting for his place and and knows it's going to be tough to get in the starting lineup, and he's got to make every every opportunity count. Somehow, Obertan, I suppose, is probably buoyed by the fact that he started the last three games. Like just doesn't have that urgency and that intensity in his game to to work as hard. It's it's bizarre. I don't know why why he. I mean, a player as fast as he is and and as fit as he he must be, you'd you'd think he'd he'd be able to. I mean, he doesn't even have to try that hard defensively. He's got the pace to cover back. It's just you just have to do a a couple of little sprints, sort of five ten times a game, and that that's your job. But he just doesn't get that side of the side of the game. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Perez. It, it was refreshing to see someone willing to, willing to sort of track back and help out, but also not just ignoring his off, if, offensive responsibilities as well. Um, I think he linked up well with Mitrovic when he had the opportunity, and um, I, I think it's we we were calling for him to to get on. I think was it Friday or last week maybe? We're calling sort of when, when is he going to get an opportunity? Because I mean, he was one of the few sort of. Bright sparks of last season. Um, I suppose the difficulty is just where you fit him in because he's he's not naturally a wide player. But I think if he keeps putting in performances like that, he's, he's not he's not a wide player when you got Cisse in the middle. I yeah. think with Mitrovic to kind yeah. of feed off it, it yeah. made such a difference. Yeah. Those two look but, like but, really. But that's what I mean. Is in he, he could start to play 
a sort of a wide role if, if he's going to carry on I, I mean one of the, the most important qualities of a winger these days is they've got to be able to sort of work back but then in the offensive role they're, they're not limited to just staying on the right I mean you've got Wijnaldum who can drift around the place um, and whoever plays on the left if you had someone like an Aaron's or this Tovan or whoever, whoever sounds like he likes to play sort of all across the whoever front whoever he is <laughs> <laughs> I was meaning however you pronounce it but um, but uh, yeah I think like they, they could really strike up a, a real good partnership and sort of work together and it's it's encouraging I think it was really encouraging yeah I like the idea of um... yeah. just quickly on that I think the reason that Perez must start next week is that was Haidara's best performance of the season shock that it's not with overtime like you know mincing the ball in front of him getting in people's way like so, Perez and Haidara look like a really solid set going forward. I think to to get for Haidara to get Damian booked so early on was so positive because it really negated Damian's um, attacking threat because he didn't want to bomb on because if, you know if he got ahead of the play and had to pull someone back. Yeah, um, you know it was it was a really really good move for Haidara to get booked. We just we've got to move on quickly because but um, that booking for Haidara was just a farce. Oh, I know. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, some people said it was a dive. Some people said he left his foot in. He just tried to win the ball. Yeah, missed the defender. Didn't, didn't actually touch the defender. Yeah, he got a boot in. Complete, completely great. Especially like in the circumstances, he was going for a fifty-fifty ball. It's not like the yeah. defender had every right to, to play that ball, and and that it, he never was getting there. It, it was a genuine opportunity. Okay, it was a shame he did a bad touch because otherwise, if he'd have got that under control, yeah. I, I think he scores there. But um. Yeah, it was a 50-50 ball. If if a player's not going in for that challenge, then I don't want him on the pitch. So exactly, I think yeah. that's. I mean, that's just referees for you. They don't. They don't use common sense. They don't. They don't understand the game like that. I didn't, and it wasn't a particularly vicious ch- tackle or anything. I I didn't really see the yeah. defender like <laughs> sort of worrying, like kicking off about or anything as much, did he? Just a, a couple of things I want to move on to before we'll move on from this in a bit. Um, we'll move on to the next part of talking about this game. Uh, number one. So much appreciation for that and Ben Lacrosse, Midovich header. Yeah. There's absolutely, I, I love headers from distance. Like, give me Andy Carroll's <laughs> header against Ukraine, uh, not Ukraine, Sweden in the Euros, when he basically, Gerard basically, same position, cross on the right. Yeah. Just yeah. outside the box. Outside the, the box, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, it was even better live, wasn't it, Dagger? Yeah, it was great live. Because um, <laughs> they were through there. Midovich's header was just, I mean, watching the um, analysis on Match of the Day over here, because Match of the Day's on as well. Didn't even test the keeper. I mean, just just quickly, as you said there. I mean, I was surprised that Mbemba had that ball in his locker as well. When you think, I mean, he's been sold to as more of a centre back, and you would think he'll come in and just be one of these sort of no nonsense, sort of athletic players. But he's he's not really going to have much footballing about him. That ball, would, yeah. Beckham would have been proud of that. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, can we this... talk about? Can we talk about this Mbemba taxi story? What? Have you heard it? No. no. Have you not seen it? No. It's come out. It's, it's, it's in the national press today. The day on the day of the Southampton game. <laughs> you know, how, number one. You know how he turned up in a tux. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like banter on his part. He actually thought because they said you have to dress sharp for the match. <laughs> and obviously, like lost in translation a little bit into his first language, which is you, you need to dress like you know you need to literally dress in that outfit. Number two, <laughs> he thought he, he thought he'd been kidnapped. People listening to this will, will know this. I don't know how you two don't know. But, um, don't yeah, read the news, Dagger. They booked a taxi from the taken from the Hilton where he was staying, Hilton Gateshead side, to, to the match. And the, he got in the wrong taxi, just like walked outside into the <laughs> taxi. The, the taxi driver then was taken, I think there was Morrison's in Biker. <laughs> 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 like, past the stadium. 
a word, a word of the Queen, doesn't speak it. So we started panicking, so we tried to ring the club, couldn't get through. In, in a tux as well. Yeah, in a tux. <laughs> later and presumed the taxi driver was making off with him. But no one here is coming off. I own a taxi company, it's no secret. I don't understand how the taxi driver didn't think, right, I've got Chancellor and Bevan in the back of the car. not nipping into Mario's and trying to get people like, look at the heat. When so he, he's got a match in three hours. And no disrespect to the bloke that did it with my driving. You need to read the papers more and actually look at who went by <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. I had absolutely no idea. Did, that did, did, did I tell you? That? I, I think I told you. Is, um, one of our mates is uh, mums is like that helps the uh, Newcastle players with uh, learning English, and uh, yeah. she actually went and helped pick out that tux. Oh, nice. Sharon Collins. Yeah. Shout out oh, to Sharon. Give her a plug. Give her a name and plug. Sharon any, and, the, uh, and the Collins lads. Any every, any foreign footballers fancy in Newcastle as your number one choice for, I don't know what, what it is, Ben, uh, like <laughs> translation. Um, lads, you've only got me for another 15 minutes, so I don't know whether you want me to move on to me media reaction stuff about the Man United game. Yeah, why yeah, not? Absolutely. Uh, so basically, uh, Ben, you've been quite, I've got to give you a little bit of credit because you, you alerted me to it before I saw it myself. The media reaction to Man United getting that draw has been absolutely horrific from our point of view. I know Mick Martin touched on this in the editorial this week on True Faith. Uh, essentially, they've been finding any excuse to to forgive Van Hal and Man United for scoring two goals in three games despite spending three hundred million pounds on his team. Um, hundred million? I uh, know. <laughs> oh well, hundred fifty million a goal then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, First of all, I, wa- I watched the next game in France, which was Leicester Spurs. And I know this is NBC, and I know it's, it, which is an American uh, programme, but their obsession with it, they the kind of cut off from the Leicester game to go back to the studio to talk about the offside for Wayne Rooney. <laughs> it was offside. Even if, even if it was onside, right? It was so tight. He was ahead of the plate. If his fucking foot was onside, you're still probably going to get them given offside. But you shouldn't have been offside. It was, it was such a big fucking hole in our defence. He didn't need to be offside. Blame Wayne Rooney for that. Don't blame the linesman. Don't try and make up Man United being robbed. I'd have to draw attention. There's been a lot of stuff on Twitter today about an article. Let me just get it up on my phone. Okay, just look at it now. <laughs> um, yeah, the article in the Times, which I think appeared today, from a lad called Bill Edgar. And the, literally, the basis of this article is uh, the title, McLaren's quotation mark master plan close quotation mark allows Manchester United just the 28 shots of goal number one that shot oh sorry sights of goal number one very very few of them were inside the box most of them were outside the box which is a defensive team you're more than happy for it like even playing five aside for God's sake of a team shooting from distance not against us because we're <laughs> but most five aside teams are more than comfortable letting they keep a deal with long shots from distance especially considering how poor most of them were the yeah. article itself is an absolute farce. I just want to read, read a little bit to you, lads. Um, I mean, <laughs> Go he, he goes on, he, he quotes a, a pundit several times, not naming the pundit, which is annoying, you know, however. But then he's saying, we can't conclude, therefore, that during this, the remaining 70 minutes after the 21st, uh, 20 minutes of Man domination, it was all part of McCarran's game plan that Newcastle would allow Memphis to pie and Javier Fernandez to be one-on-one with Tim Crow, the goalkeeper. Hang on, Fernandez, yes, I wasn't part of the plan. Okay, what's your name? I forgot your name, you're that irrelevant. Bill Edgar. Allow the ball to ricochet up five players in the box to unbelievably fortunately fall at the man at his feet. And, and, and he still didn't score. Like, great save by Tim Quill. But you've got a squad as a centre as a, as a forward. Yeah. Absolute fast. And talking about um, then the, the next paragraph, McLaren was happy for his team to let uh, Matteo Damian twice at the pie, move into space within a few yards of the goal near the byline each time with Newcastle fullback nowhere to be seen. Well, it's football, mate. It's, uh, it's like. It's not. It's not a you know poor technical setup because they got behind a couple of times. I think apart from the Hernandez chance, which is outrageous lucky, apart from Rooney, who's an idiot for being offside, they didn't get behind us once. And we didn't play as deep as we did at Swansea. Apart from the last five minutes, we were a bit deep. It, it just you know. Can you imagine that uh, any other club nearly having a whole article written about them in a national newspaper, slagging off a team who gone and got a nil-nil draw there? I know. Sl- slagging off Newcastle. It's just an absolute farce. The Man, you know, the Man United fans on Twitter, there's loads of people who retweet and say Newcastle part of the bus came for a goal. I don't think we did part of the bus realistically. Um, I think we had a tactical setup which gave Man new possession of the ball and we're quite happy to play on the counter. Parking the bus is when you literally back to the wall all game. 
Yeah, Man United held 70% of possession, but like every Man United game this season, and last season under LVG, it's sterile possession, it's a waste of time, and they're probably better off hitting it longer, Fellaini, like yeah. they did last season with Scotland Fourth. I don't know why they've given up on that. And to be honest with you, we're so shit in the air, I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's that, my run over. You've, you've got to look at LVG, completely agree. Newcastle's biggest weaknesses were kind of win balls in the air. Yeah. You've got literally yeah. one of the probably one of the top five players in the Premier League, possibly even in, in, in the world, who is guaranteed to win headers in Fellaini. And you've did he even make the bench? Was he on the bench? Uh, I, I think I've got a feeling he's out of favour at the minute. I think he came on against um, uh, against Bruges, and I think he was dropped again. But even still, like just to not get have him involved at all is mental. Uh, literally, he you, you needs his head checking. Like it was so obvious. You know what was funny? <laughs> Von Halford. <laughs> it was their best performance under him. Like, get away with it, man. For fuck's sake. To be fair, I'll see where he's coming from. To be fair to him, Doggett, it's probably the first game where he, they've actually had five shots on target. <laughs> but how are Louis? Have you not read Bill Edgar? Newcastle were a force, and that was your best game? No, no. I know. Makes sense. Doesn't make sense, Bill Edgar. Whatever way you look at it, doesn't make sense with Brick. <laughs> right. Um. Fair enough. Uh, that's Dodzy on the media reaction, or rather Bill Edgar's reaction to the, to the, to the Man U game. Bill, Bill Edgar is equals media. <laughs> <laughs> no, but come on. You, no, you've no, got I, to say here, everyone was talking about, like like I said, on NBC, even on Match of the Day, it was agonising over that offside decision. It's like it's one fucking offside decision yeah. against a shiny couple of people who lost seven away games or eight away games in a row since February. Yeah. Haven't won an away game for fucking years. You got Man United, three hundred million pound plus worth of talent, playing a team who spent fifty million quid, and most Newcastle fans have to have a lie down because of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you draw nil nil. It's just it, uh, it just winds up. What? It's Louis Van Gaal again. You know, taking credit for not conceding the goal. They've literally had the easiest start of the season I've ever seen in the entire. Only the Magnums have had an easier start. The Magnums have probably created more chances as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's just. I mean, even the the fact that I mean, I watched it on. Um, on the BT, and they had, <laughs> I don't know why he's there, but Howard Webb's like doing this, sort of giving a referee's uh, reaction to everything, it, he, he literally has to like, he, he called it at the time, thinking oh it was tough, then came back half an hour later, obviously once he's looked at all the replays and everything, and they did one of those like computerised sort of snapshots, and it proved Rooney was, his foot was ahead of the play, and he said the right, the right decision was given. Then LVG comes in in the aftermatch and says, oh, he's got to be the best linesman in the world to get that right. So yeah. he's essentially saying he's got it right, but they're still... Yeah, they're they're, but they're still hoo-ha about, oh, it's not fair that they got the decision right. Like, what? what is this? What argument is this? It's ridiculous. I couldn't. Uh, I just couldn't believe uh, how much airtime it got. You've got me for another four minutes. <laughs> oh, that does it. Well, well, well quick... Hang on, hang on. We'll, we'll come to the Magams, but just, just first, we'll, we'll quickly go through. Uh, Newcastle played Northampton on Tuesday and got a, a 2 0 win. Get in, lads! <laughs> right, cut there. Our name is on this cup, lads. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Get in. Uh, we'll cut again. Well, Newcastle battled, went into extra time, went to penalties, and, were, and we won on pens. Uh, you happy with that, Ben? I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. Like... Ask one question. Why is he playing Riviera? I know, Rivier, I never expected to see him playing. <laughs> Dotty, you're still sticking with that chart there that you think he should be starting next week? Well, I know he got four goals in extra time, but... <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll cut there. Right, I cannot believe it's still happening. We've been knocked out the cup again. They don't prioritise the cups. Dogger, what, what are your thoughts? What? A 3-0 win for Northampton. Two things. Why did he play Gouffre on a centre-back? I never saw that one coming. Ridiculous. Pavel Sonatrek and goal just for one last time. It's obvious that they tried to get knocked out. Pardew won the cup games he tried to throw. Yeah, it's it's just like having Carver back. <laughs> right. Um, well, that that was hilarious. We, we may or may not keep that in the show. <laughs> Moving on, Dodgy, because you've only only around for another few minutes. Do you want to talk about uh, Sunderland and Ellis Short and your thoughts? Yeah, for any Sunderland fans, listen, and there are some. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. We get tweets. We get tweets from some. I don't know why Sunderland fans tweet us. If you're Sunderland fans, you're listening. It's fine. We, you can tweet us, and we will try and have constructive conversations with you. Every time we we'll have a conversation, with, or I have a conversation with Sunderland fan on Twitter through the TFT podcast, 
generates in a ridiculousness. But not from me, by the way. Um, and it, I, I kind of tweeted that. I tweeted, two magams got in touch with me. Number one, I tweeted just, I didn't even, like, mention Sunderland. You know, I didn't put hashtag, I didn't ask SAFC. I don't know how this Sunderland fan got in touch. Um, I said, <coughs> sorry, I'm just going to have a drink of me Cronenberg. <laughs> So, so I'm on, con- uh, I'm on an hourly rate from them here. <laughs> con- continental dogger. Yeah, uh, basically, Sunderland haven't had the same manager in a single season since the 2010-11 season, which is an absolute disgrace. I mean, we could go on about Sunderland's record in that time. You've heard it all before if you're a fan of the show. That is a farce. Sunderland had not had a single manager in a season in all those years. So I, I, I tweeted that, and then Imagine was straight in saying, well, what were you supposed to do? And I went, well, how about highest better managers and he went they were all good managers at the time and I, went, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree and here's why and I told him I didn't agree and he went well you know you're just a typical mag um, if, if we'd have if we'd have got McLaren this summer there'd have been riots on weir side and I went why he went look at his CV and I said well you just said all the appointments at the time were cracking look at uh, Steve McLaren's CV compared to a Paolo Di Canio maybe and he had an out and it just it just went downhill well, ad- ad- advocate what's advocate done the, the current manager Str- struggled with Serbia in a terrible, terrible European group. Look at the CVs of every Sunderland manager for the last 20 years. Ben, I'm, uh, uh, lads, you can have your say well done. I've got literally two minutes to get through all the research today. The other <laughs> magum was, uh, I, I retweeted Stan Collingwood. I, I don't mind Collingwood. Mickey hates him. Um, so Mickey must give him a lot of grief. I don't know. Is, is Stan a bird? Stan Sorry? Is Stan a woman? No, good banner though. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, Stan Collymore tweeted that if your chairman is going on wearing FTM badges, you should be concerned about his level of professionalism. Totally agree. I think Ella Short is a farce for doing that. I would be disgusted if uh, Mike Ashley, more so disgusted than Mike Ashley, if he did something like that. If you want an SMB badge, there's no need for it. You're a professional, behave like one. Straight in, Amagam. Yeah, you slag off Stan Collymore all the time, and, and yet you retweet this world, retweet, you retweet him. I was like, well, no, we don't. I've never slagged him off, but never mind. don't know where he got that from. By the way, because we're re- I don't know how this guy on this SAFC fan um, found us. We, you know, he doesn't follow us, so he's obviously looked at who's retweeted Collie Moore's thing and probably gone through them individually. And his point was that, and I was like, how can you be happy with Ella Short as, a, as an owner? And he's like, well, Mike Ashley's shit. And I was like, well, forget about him for a moment. Concentrate on what Ella Short has done. He was like, oh, Ella Short's a really, really good chairman. So here's some, here's some stats about Ellis Short. Um, in 2012, well, first of all, Sunderland have made massive losses ever since the 2006 season. They're steadily going down, but that's basically nothing to do with his running of the club. They lost 26 million in 2012, 23 million in 2013, 17 million in 2014. If you look at those seasons, um, Sunderland have finished in the bottom five or bottom six, um, all but one of Ella Short seasons in charge. So that's an absolutely shocking statistic. Uh, Dick Advocat has come out this weekend and his comments, quite frankly, are pretty scandalous. Not, I mean, they're actually quite good comments. Good to see a manager call about uh, a chairman. Um, you know, really worrying for Sunderland fans if they're not already worried. But they don't seem to be. No one seems to grief out of the short. Um, Dick Advocat said this weekend, that said, even some of our average players are on massive salaries. <laughs> Way to call out some of the lads not in the team. Uh, <laughs> do, right. do, does Sunderland right, have any average great. players? So, <laughs> um, good one. Uh, <laughs> it was a, a start on football three six five. I think Sunderland have spent under a short one hundred and thirteen million pounds on players between that have cost between five and thirteen million. They've only recouped twenty four million pounds in that in that same period for those players. Absolutely, I don't have the article in front of me. It's an absolutely damning stat when I was reading the Sunderland Echo about. Um, Sunderland's finances when it said like oh yeah you know player sales haven't been included in the 2014 accounts but the sale of Sessegnon um, someone else right and someone else will probably be offset by, by the incoming <laughs> signings of Soko Billy Jones and the other shite player they got from Brighton <laughs> and you just when, you, when you're looking at the names that are going okay. in and out you just realise like these these players were never in a million years good enough for the Premier League Sunderland I mean a lot of Sunderland fans should be happy with the draw against Swansea and yes you, you, you're right to be happy it's progress it's a point you played some better football but Swansea should have won that game they hit, they hit the inside of the post for God's sake at 1-0 if they'd have scored that it could have been 3 or 4 again you know football's all this and buts and fair play, play 
fair play to Sunderland for, for getting a point out of that game. Sunderland are a very good side. Sunderland are going down. He's an SLS short, actually, thinks like Mike Ashley has, and we're not good praising Mike Ashley yet. Let's see what happens. Sunderland need to spend 50 million quid in for, for them to, you know, Jermaine Defoe lads today. I know this isn't entirely relevant, but have you seen the advert he's got in that that's been picked up by the media? I've, I've heard about it. He's advertising yeah. for a 24-hour PA. Yeah, not a, so, so the PA, he basically wants to wipe his bum in a stoggers fridge, but also grow the Defoe global brand. I mean, <laughs> it's like, you've got players like this, son, and Defoe's actually got two goals in, in three games this season, which is canny for him. But, uh, you know, I mean, we talk about it all the time, we're, we're laughing, joke on. Let's take away the bias that we'll have towards Sunderland. Sunderland are a, Sunderland are a big club. Sunderland have drawn 40,000 plus crowds on nothing. You know, the, I know the tickets are cheap and they give a lot away, but you know, so in Newcastle these days, if I'm being honest. Um, they're a smaller club than Newcastle, but they're, they're just an absolute farce. It's how not to run a football club and how well they're short. I know there was tramps of, are you watching on a short? A couple of weeks ago against Norris, how Ella Short can put these Sunderland fans through what they have to sit through year after year after year, and no one seriously or publicly um, questions ownership of the club is is beyond me. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to go though. That's been a pleasure. Do you want to quickly do your game? Bogger's game coming up. Cracking. Keeping the family waiting downstairs, but never mind. This is important. Get them, get them in for it. Either it is <laughs> race, um, Friday. The bastardisation of my game by Andy and Mickey, I think, as well. Um, it should never be allowed to happen again. It was a poor imitation. <laughs> you know, I've just had to have me say. famous Doggers game, much love coming up. That's getting cut. <laughs> I was born on the 15th of October 1971, making me aged 43. My middle name is Alexander. Started my career in 1989 at Arsenal, but only played for them once. I made my name initially with a goal every other game for Bristol City. Andy Cole? Well done, Ben. I thought that would have been... I thought this is like, if you knew who Andy Cole is, you'd probably know it. But yeah, still a good job by you. Got that um, just before us. Other, clo- other clues were, I scored 55 times in 70 appearances for Newcastle. That's ridiculous. Yeah, unbelievable. Andy um, and I finished my career... My home club, hometown club, Notts Forest, and failed to score. And the last one, sorry, was going to be. I also played. I also played uh, seven games for Sunderland. Roy Keane, Roy Keane labelled me as the perfect striker. I scored no goals. Can I just say I was a bit cheesed off with BT the other day, having him and Paul. Was it schools? Ah. Is the pundits? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he played for us for two seasons, but then predominantly for Man U. He's not really a represent like a Newcastle representative, to be honest. Two and a half months, but I'm off. Ridiculous. See, See you later, mate. Enjoy your, uh, whatever you're doing. Right. So, shall we just call it there? <laughs> what would you like to talk about? Is there anything there uh, from the Premier League? What did you think of the um, the Man City game? It's been a bit of a non event in the rest of the Premier League. There's not a lot to talk about. Man City, Everton was a was a bit of a washout. I mean, neither side played particularly well. I mean, City came out the traps like first couple of minutes, yeah. so they were absolutely smashing them. And then it just kind of, you knew the goal was coming. They were just far better than Everton. All they had was Lukaku, a couple of chances. Barkley played all right, but yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say that it was an exciting match. What do you think of John Stones? Obviously, touting for Chelsea. Do you think he's good enough? Stones? Um, £30 million would be a ludicrous fee to pay mm-hmm. for John Stones. Uh, I don't know, after, after Terry getting sent off. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That was hilarious. I can't believe how long, actually, he spent <laughs> arguing... With the ref before yeah. he was off, you're off, mate. Just just get off the pitch, and, he, and he, rightly so as well. Like he he pulled him down. He's the last man. Yeah, like, yeah. Look, it's not a penalty. You look, they just got a free kick. Um, that was hilarious. I think I think Chelsea do need to start looking at, at you know life after Terry. Last Basically. couple of games he's had. I mean, that's I, I was really surprised. I mean, apparently Cahill was a bit injured, so that's why they didn't start him. Yeah. But I was really surprised he he kept in Terry after the City game where he took him off the, after half time. And they've just looked they've looked shaky in the first two games. I mean he got caught a couple of times. I mean Gomez had two or three brilliant chances against uh, for Swansea against them. Yeah. Um just basically where he, he just beat Terry um either with a run in behind or just, just for pace or strength or whatever. But he he just looked he looked awful in that game. He was terrible against Man City and then he followed it up with a, a bang average performance against West Brom and, and got sent off. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously a bit rash to say that's that's him done, 
I mean, it was only four four months ago, whatever way he was winning the league or whatever. But I mean, he, well, he, he, you've he, got he, to think for for Ch- if Chelsea seriously want to challenge Man City, who have just spent thirty million on another centre back to go along with Mangala and company and oh, it's it's so weird because Mangala's had three blinding games yeah, so far. Exactly. You can't possibly out, drop out Mangala. Um, that and he's only going to get better with the competition of yeah. if they sort of Mendy lad coming in. Whereas Chelsea, just with Terry, you cannot trust them. Uh, Cahill, I think, is a, is a quality player. Um, I'd, I'd seriously would be very surprised if they don't start um, Zuma next game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Terry's going to be uh, suspended. But um, I think if, if they come in and have a good game together, Cahill and Zuma, I, I think Terry will struggle to get back in. Yeah, um, the other know. one I've been really surprised with is how bad Ivanovic has started this season. He's, he's looked off the pace, hasn't he, uh... I mean, he got torn apart by Montero, um, and again, uh, and obviously Sterling as well, uh, a couple of times, um, and and he he just struggled again yesterday. Even McManaman, particularly good game for West Brom. And um, I, I just you just look at those two players. I mean, they're the wrong side of thirty, getting on a bit. Um, obviously, they've they've probably been two of the most important players for Chelsea in this the the season last year, where they, they were so dominant. Um, Ivanovic get, getting forward came came up with a lot of important goals for them last year and things and they're, they're obviously the the big big uh, Chelsea names but I, I think they need dropping um, they've obviously signed this new Rom in the left back who you would think would come in and they're talking about uh, Aspilicueta going to right back I always thought um, he was a right back I know he played left yeah. back last season but I thought he was signed as a right back yeah no, he, 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 he was he played right back for Marseille where they got yeah. from um, but it's, it's just the fact that he obviously they weren't going to drop Ivanovic the form he was in. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the way Ashley Cole went and the Sol Bertrand, um, but now nah, it's, it's going to be going to be interesting. I think I thought Pedro looked looked class, didn't he? He's he's going to be a big player for them this season. Yeah, straight um, straight into the fantasy football yeah. teams. <laughs> yeah. do, you, uh, do you want to talk about that, mate? Fantasy I, I football. Think, I think we covered that on yeah. uh, Friday, didn't we? <laughs> you got away very lightly for, for thirty seconds. Yeah, but um, but now nah, that that'll be interesting. I think obviously the other two sort of title challenges, Arsenal Liverpool play tonight. It'll be interesting. Did you want to talk about Man City at all as, as title favourites? I've I've been a bit surprised to be honest that they, they came back. I don't know why I'm surprised. It, they've, they've got world class class players that fell completely short last season. I think um, I think at the start of the season, what was said was that Pellegrini was like a dead man walking. Yeah. It's like he's obviously going to get sacked at the end of the season, so it's not going to really work I'm, out for him. But and just how poor they were, they were set up last yeah, year. I think yeah. he got a lot of things wrong, and he he looks like he he would do very well at keeping the job. There's a lot of reports that Guardiola's. Pen, sort of penciled in to get the job next season and exactly, exactly. he but would be out it's going to be interesting I mean Chelsea with Pedro now and um, well obviously they've got Hazard yeah. Costa is fit at the minute it's, you, you think they'll they'll sort of come back they'll strong be, they'll be fine but City are going to be a very hard team to beat and I don't see them dropping many points this nah. season it's going to be a very the way they're going I mean you, you do you do think they'll have a slip at some point um, for that reason it's it's absolutely a two horse race now yeah. Arsenal no chance Man U yeah. no chance Liverpool no chance like I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they just look. The biggest thing I think as well is defensively they look really good. Company looks back to his best, um, and I mean they've they've still got the likes of Otamendi to come in. Zabaleta is out at the minute, um, injured. Uh, so it, I, I think they're only going to go from strength to strength, and yeah. they've already got one of the best back fours anyway. Um, so they're they're going to be really strong. I, I think the key is going to be obviously Aguero. How long can they keep him fit? If he goes out, they've only got Boney if they're the striker and then they're down to the bare bones. So it's a nice only to have though, isn't it? Yeah, for Boney, 30 million, <laughs> 30 million striker. Bit part player. But um but no, it's it's gonna be I think it will be interesting. Um it's it's a lot hangs on, on Aguero. I mean you look at Toure looks like he's interested again. Um if he can maintain that all season then he'll obviously be a massive bonus for them. Because he just looked disinterested last season. Yeah. Um, and then a team with David, David Silver in, they're always going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? He's unbelievable. Yeah, they've got they've got Sterling obviously there as well. Um, I haven't seen much of him so far this season. I think he was worth forty nine million, but yeah. you know he will he will be with that with that kind of pace and attack. He's going to be part of it. You know, he got he got an assist, I think, didn't he? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, it. for the club of one. I think yeah. it's. I mean, we. I keep saying this. I think every week, but we in the pre podcast. We talked about how Chelsea just looked like they were sort of resting on the laurels a bit, and they, they lacked that big signing. And you look at the first two games, and, and it that just showed it. It looked as if they they thought they would just breeze games, and 
that there wasn't really any urgency. They've, they've, I saw an interview the day saying, I can't remember who it was, but um, talking about, I think it was Allardyce actually said, the Pedro deal smacks of uh, des- sort of desperation. Um, and, and I think he's got a point. It, it, it sort they, of they looked need, like they desperation. Needed, they needed then, that injection, didn't they? They did, but you watched that game yesterday and said, that's not a desperate signing. <laughs> 22 million for Pedro yeah, is a bargain, yeah, really. A bargain. Yeah, definitely. Given, given the transfer market yeah. this summer, you'd rather pay 22 million for, for two Pedros yeah. than 49 million for one Sterling, wouldn't yeah, you? Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's 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 made for an interesting season because we all just had Chelsea down as nailed on at the start yeah. based on Man City last year, based on the fact that neither, neither had made any real big signings, mm-hmm. Sterling aside. But now that you know there's been some transfer movements and the, the start they've both had, it's really thrown it into the air. Like yeah. Man City could probably do it. Definitely. Yeah, um, it was just draws all around. Apart from that, I mean, actually, uh, West Ham Bournemouth was a cracking match. That was mental. I mean, West. I've <laughs> I made the mistake of having that Ogbonna lad in me me fantasy team this week. The RFF. <laughs> he got subbed after 30 minutes, so thank God he did because he would have lost another point if he stayed <laughs> on. Uh, he saved saves us a point there, but. Um, I just can't believe. I mean, it's a typical. I think I heard a few people saying it. Um, may have even been one of, one of us in the the podcast. Um, after that Arsenal game, you just you were wondering is is that West Ham sort of they, they lifted themselves to that game and then they followed it up with two very very average performances. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a massive defeat at home to Bournemouth. It basically negates the the Arsenal win. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's throwing that down the pan, and you just think three, three points from the first three games doesn't yeah. sound great. And it's it's just it's going to be a real struggle. I mean, they're at, they went they went out the UEFA Cup to a gag team. Yeah, it puts puts our predictions back in line. Cause yeah. Start of the season, we, we thought we were going to look really silly after West Ham's yeah. first game. Uh, West Ham's first game, but but I mean, it's just a, it's put a lot of pressure on Bilic already. He's out. They're out of Europe. They they've had a couple of bad performances. Uh, they definitely didn't want to be in Europe. Did no, they? but do you know what I mean? It's if if you don't want to be in Europe and you're that type of team, like what 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 is there to play for? Um. They're never going to get any higher. The, the best they can do is get into Europe and maybe do European Cup runs. I just I don't understand teams like that. Southampton have been struggling. Um, that's probably more to do with the, the, the squad size or whatever. But it's uh, very very strange. I don't, I don't know what they're playing out there. Um, but now it'll be uh, it's it's going to be a really interesting season because I've been really impressed with Bournemouth, Norwich, and, and even um, Watford. Obviously, have had a couple of draws. The, all the Promoted teams have started a lot better than I thought they would. Bournemouth so unlucky against uh, Villa. Obviously, they should have probably should have beaten Liverpool the other night. They've got all this allowed and yeah, last twenty and, minutes they absolutely battered them. Yeah, didn't they? and like, they, they had some really good chances. So I've, I've been surprised by them, and it, it puts a lot of pressure on us when 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 we get the one break out of this ridiculous schedule is Watford. Um, you, you sort of worry are we going to even beat them? Yeah, I uh, I agree. Uh, Bournemouth, I think, are going to be the Blackpool. They're going to carry the momentum they had last season I mean, but realistically it's it's they, gonna they, they let a 2-0 two, two lead slip yeah. and won basically because West Ham couldn't defend I mean 4-3 you're not going to get that every week but uh, it made for an entertaining game I think it'll be really interesting yeah absolutely um, we've touched on the Magnums uh, I suppose a respectable draw even though I'm sure they just had one or two <laughs> shots on target did anyone else have any of the any particularly exciting does not what was it match, yeah. of the day, match of the day was poor Palace uh, 2-1 beating Villa was obviously a popular one. Make make you will have been enjoying that. Um, but yeah, no, there wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't the best best weekend of football really. Yeah, I think Ars- Arsenal Liverpool tonight will uh, make up for it. Should we do some pretend reactions to that game as well? <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. Nah, it's not worth it. Right. Um, <laughs> any other matters? <laughs> Should we do the notices? As Dogger uh, requested. Listen to uh, his interview with Martin Hardy again. Definitely listen to that. I mean, to me, it's, it's a crack and read uh, the book, and um, by all accounts, Dodzy's podcast podcast with him was was great as well. Have you, have you, have you listened to it? I haven't listened to it yet. It's on, it's on my uh, to do list. Yeah, um, Dodzy's not listening to this. He's he's drinking Cronenberg in France. It's fine. Um, yeah, I think we can just keep it short this week, and yeah. uh, we'll you know there'll be two Newcastle matches to talk about next week. So, listening on on what, Friday. What, what are you talking about? Sorry, we're we're just watching the Northampton game. Yeah, but we're gonna. Watch it all again on, uh, on Sky Plus, <laughs> and then um, and then have a have a time. more in, in depth reaction. Yeah, um, that's about it, really. I think we'll we'll keep it. We've rambled on for about an hour anyway. But, uh, <laughs> we'll keep it short. Newcastle match to talk about this weekend at the weekend. So tune in on Friday, Radio Northumberland live seven o'clock um, online, completely free, one click, and you'll you'll hear these two lovely voices and more. And then 
that's about it, really. Is there any more? What, what are the other nonsense? Martin Hardy, we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Other nonsense. Um, that's it, really. Just follow us at, at TF Weekly Podcast uh, for uh, Dod- Dodzy's mindless ramblings for the, the week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's plugging various other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, any Ropey tweets, Dodzy does 90% of them, so <laughs> if anything yeah. offends all, you. All of the Ropey ones are Dodzy. Any of the good <laughs> ones are the male side. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for listening. It's been It's been a pleasure, as always. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.